Welcome to another edition of Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and over to my left is Derek Spech. Hello. How's it going this week, Derek? Good. Going great. Anything new in your neck of the woods? Anything new? Well, there's... I, uh, I've been meaning to... I've been following this group that are uh, traveling across the... Uh, the uh, Ungava Peninsula in northern Quebec. Yeah. And so uh, I'll talk about this in an upcoming show, probably next week, but uh, or the week after. But the uh, I've been following these guys. They, they have they're doing a one month trip from July sixth to August sixth. So they're almost at the end, and uh, it's it's quite the trip. And I've looked at this area of northern Quebec quite a few times, and I, I it's rock and puddles of water and stuff like that. You don't really think much of it. But then when I was through following their trip log, I didn't realize there's rivers that run off this uh, this rock and puddle area. So if you look at northern Quebec and the uh, Angava Peninsula, it's uh, it's a very sparse and desolate area. And there's there's a guy we follow on Facebook in that, Jim Baird. And if I'm not mistaken, back in... Oh, June, I want to say June, it could have been before June, May. Um, he took his dog and the two of them walked across it. It's like 400 kilometers or something like that. So he's towed a sled. It was a winter it was, trip. Yeah, it was a winter trip. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So he, this, the people I'm following there, it's uh, Latso Kovacs and Lynette Chubb. And so I think that's a group of six. And anyway, so they are up there. This is their second or third trip across the Angava peninsula and it's uh it's very dramatic you see their photography it's it's so sparse and barren and there's a lot of uh a lot of historical artifacts and whatever in the area but it's so hard to get to it's uh anyways we'll talk about it in an upcoming show but it's really interesting to follow them as they travel through it's like you were saying that uh what's his name uh, jim baird jim baird so when he did it, it was full on winter, which yeah. really it's just and winter is just ending for them up there. But uh, I'm following their reports, and they're uh, I think they have a spot thing, so they're giving periodic updates that show up on their map for the trip, and uh, they talk about how the rivers and lakes are partially thawed, so they're they're skirting the edge of the shoreline and the ice sheet on the the lakes and rivers so they're 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 not having to traverse any ice dams or anything and they're just kind of squeaking between the shore and the ice but it's passable so it's interesting to see their updates and i'm curious what equipment they're using to produce these updates because they're they're pinging on a map on a google map and it's showing their route and and little simple statements about camping and lunch and and uh, crossings and whatever so it's it's something that uh, i think uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about in a very soon in an upcoming episode that uh, i think is going to be very very interesting Cool. Yeah, sounds. I, I enjoy watching other people's uh, canoe trips and stuff from weird places like that. Living vicariously yeah. through them. Living vicariously through others, because that's <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do when we can't get out by ourselves. Exactly. Well, I got a call from my brother, and um, we grew up. I mean, out of doors and a lot of fishing. We did a lot of fishing growing up, and uh, we always say if, if Greg's not catching fish there are no fish to be caught. And if Greg's not catching fish, you better not be ticking him off because he's going to be pissed. <laughs> so we took, my grandfather was 72 and he had mentioned he always wanted to go on a canoe trip. So we took him up into Algonquin Park, 72 years old, and he had a blast catching lake trout and all that. We went up, yeah, Bice Lake up in, up in Algonquin. So my brother said, you know what? Why don't we head up that way again? My grandfather's passed away uh, almost 10 years ago now at least. Um, but uh, he, he called up and said, you know, why don't we think about next year heading back up and doing some more fishing up that way? So I think that's what's going to happen. But while I had fishing on the brain, um, just checking out some new gear and whatnot. And as you know, I got the new Prospector canoe. And one of the things that... I don't even know how I got on there. I was just using my friend Google. And uh, fishing from kayaks has become a big, big thing. 
It is. It is. I've I've noticed that myself. I've you see a lot of YouTube videos that that are floating around. And it shows a lot of people enjoying like fishing on kayaks with big fish too. Yeah, like in the ocean, and I mean not just you know going for like lake trout or something or perch or bass or anything. I mean these guys are hauling in massive fish. Yeah, uh, groupers and stuff. You see like three, four sharks? pound groupers, sharks. I've, I've, what baffles me is like, I would think that just a, a couple pound trout or something, I would tip over the kayak, right? I don't understand <laughs> how these guys don't roll over. Well, I, I, I don't know, but you look at some of the gear and they've got like four or five rods and tackle boxes and mm-hmm. uh, fish finders built in and it's... So far beyond what I picture a kayak being. I know. It's ridiculous. A lot um, of equipped to lose if you tip it over. <laughs> well, and that's what I, I was thinking there, you know, but I mean, they've got some of the, the hatches and that, that you put stuff Stole, in and, yeah. and whatnot. And I guess they're raw, uh, real savers, they call them. And I guess you hook it up. So if something comes out. Tethers. And, yeah. The big thing that I always look at, and like I said, I just sort of went on a tangent and stuff. Um, and a couple things came out. You're starting to think of, well... If you're in this kayak out there and you're getting this fish going, a big fish, and it's going to be hauling you around sort of deal. And you're trying to use a kayak paddle and, you know, stay in one spot. Or if you hit a hot spot, you know, you're catching pickerel or something like that, walleye. Um, you got to keep paddling back and forth. Mm-hmm. Well, not so. I found this, this, this uh, one company, Hobie Cat, and they have a pedal-driven kayak. So it's actually fins underneath the kayak, and you got pedals, and you start pedaling back and forth, um, and it moves these, and it's, it's kind of hard to describe, but it moves these two fins back and forth It underneath. reminded me of like a sea turtle swimming or something. The, yeah, the yeah, the fins underneath. Um, and these things go, I mean, they rock it when you start getting those, your feet going, because, and that's what they're saying is the idea behind the pedal driven kayaks is to enable the kayaker to utilize the leg muscles, which are much larger and stronger than the, uh, arms. Well, and plus gives you, makes your arms free. You don't have to hold onto a paddle. And that is the whole purpose behind it. You've got both arms free. There's a little rudder paddle to uh, a lever to your one side, right? But your legs are doing the the paddling for you for all intents and purposes. Um, so when it comes to fishing, all your hands are free to do your your casting and um, you know bringing up the fish and grabbing stuff. So how do you steer? The rudder. So there's just a rudder just handle? Just a little handle with the rudder. Yep. Huh. So I'm going through, I'm going through all this. Now there is another company, uh, Native Watercraft, and they've got a propel device, but theirs is more like a bicycle pedal in front of you. So you're, you're okay. sitting there and your legs are out and you're pedaling like you would on a bicycle. Like a recumbent bicycle. Yeah. And there's a, a shaft that goes down. And there's a propeller on the bottom. So basically it's just a propeller. Be like your boat motor. Just like a motorboat. Right. But it's, it's at the front, it's underneath and it does it. The main problem with, um, the propeller versus the Hobie Mirage drive is when you get into shallow water, that propeller hits something, it's on a shaft, it stops your boat. Okay. Right. The Mirage Drive being side to side moving fins, they come up and Sit lay flat, flat against, against the hull, the hull yeah. of the kayak. So you can go into really shallow water. And hmm. it's, it's really something to see. Um, definitely if you're getting into the fishing, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to, I, you know, but... We watched a few reviews of it and showed the way the workings and how they use it. The, these things are really neat. The design, they look very, very stable. I was surprised at how stable they did look. And it showed the guys when they were doing the reviews, they were standing up in it and, and, and pulling along. 
or paddling or, or whatever. So it, uh, I was surprised at how stable they did look. Well, and the one thing they're saying is that they're noisy underwater. So if you're getting in somewhere that you want stealth, you've also got the paddle already there, mm-hmm. right? So, and it attaches to the side. So you just, you can pull up with a Mirage drive, you can pull it straight out, mm-hmm. right? So it's not in there at all. Um, you put that, you know, at the front of your boat and you can paddle. So you can get in there nice and quiet, like, uh, but for speed in that, uh, you put in this drive and I mean, we were watching some of the videos and these guys were just boogieing. And, uh, however, it does come with a price tag. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, we, I saw the, 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 the lowest range model with one of these, uh, Hobie cat, um, Mirage drives, just the, the lowest basic fishing model that had it, 2,800 bucks. <laughs> I mean, you're talking three grand just to go fishing. But now, if you think about it, like this is a kayak with a the Mirage Drive. It's like a, it's it's a sit on top kayak. Yep. But when you compare prices to a a, a modern uh, carbon fiber or whatever canoe, those canoes are in the three thousand to four thousand oh, yeah. dollars range as yeah. well. Yeah. So it's it seems to be sort of a a standard in industry. Like they, I don't know how much markup or how much profit they make off each craft. But, uh, these have a lot of moving and working parts. They do. Um, and like I say, I think the, from everything I've seen, the only people buying the, the ones with these, uh, with the Mirage drive or the propel drive, um, are fishermen. Yes. That seems to be really the only purpose for it. Now, the big issue with the Mirage drive versus the, uh, what they call it, the ultimate propel drive, uh, from native watercraft is with the propeller, you paddle backwards, like as if you were paddling backwards on your bicycle and you go backwards. your canoe, the, the propeller goes the other way and your canoe goes backwards. The Mirage drive does not have that. It's one way only. So they've got to go in a big circle if they want to turn around. Mm-hmm. And in the reviews, I talked about that where people are circling the fish and, and going up downstream just to maintain position. Right. Well, at the ICAST 2016 show back in... Was that May? I guess mid, mid-July. Oh, was that when it was? Yeah, early to mid-July. They, deve- they, they unveiled the Mirage Drive 180. So you've got your Mirage Drive in front of you, your feet are on it. There's two little wires or for lack of better term that you can pull. If you're going forward, you stop paddling, pedaling, you pull one and underneath these fins turn 180 degrees. So when you start pedaling again, you are now going backwards. So it just completely swaps the direction. So yep. you now have reverse with the yep. Hobie cat, with the Mirage the, drive. Yep. And that has been the big selling point of the, the propel drive by the sounds of it over the Hobie cat. Now, mind you, the, the Hobie cat seems to be more popular from everything I've been reading. Um, but this is a big, big deal. Yeah. From the reviews I was reading, it sounded like, uh, the quality and build and stuff, the Hobie cat was winning, winning a lot of points, but then the edge was given to the, uh, the native, uh, Watercraft propel, drive. watercraft propel drive because you have reverse, but now they've seemed to Hobie cats jumped ahead with this new, uh, Mirage 180 drive where you can go in reverse. It can completely topples the balance back onto Hobie cat for a leader in the industry now. Yeah. And I mean, I was looking at some of the, the things here, they were, you know, they'd be going in somewhere you can get your, I mean, if you're casting close to shore, you're getting snags. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody does. Well, with these, you can get in there. You can get your, you know, hopefully get your, your snag, you get your lure out and then you back straight back up. Yeah. Right. And with the, with the Mirage drive, you really could, you got to do a big circle sort of thing. Yeah. Well, now they can do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. So there's less, I imagine previously, if anybody wanted to back up, they would just rip out the paddle and, and use the, uh, the kayak paddle and, and reverse that way. Yeah. They'd have to. Mm-hmm. But, but if you have a fishing rod in your hand. Now you have the capability of just quickly flipping the toggle and, uh, you can pedal backwards. Yeah. And I mean, the Mirage drive, or I keep calling it the Mirage drive and there's the two of them. Yes. The Mirage the, 180 the, and the propel drive. Yeah. The, the, the drives themselves, I mean, they're only a small part of this whole kayak. You know, I mean, we're watching these videos and you can stand on them. 
You can, you know, some of them are using a pole that you can get sold separately, of course, that you, you, you're standing up and you're pulling the kayak through like the flats down in Florida or whatever, you know? Um, so you can stand up and you can, you can fly fish, you can cast while standing. Um, the stability on some of these is, is phenomenal. Um, the gear that you can take, the holders for your rods. I mean, it's got everything, you know, for, for fishing Mm -hmm. and that I'm looking at these and I cannot see these kayaks being used for anything else, but it doesn't seem so way. It, uh, Mm -hmm. I, I, if somebody's going to be using it as a pleasure craft for, for going out and, and doing whatever you're looking for the physical attributes of, of, of paddling with a, with a kayak paddle. Whereas these, these are just, these are like, a, a, you know, you have the outriggers and, or uh, electric drives for fishing boats to mm-hmm. maneuver in currents and whatever. So this gives you that sort of easier access for fishing without having to have powered craft. Exactly. Um, but you know what? Like is, if they're going this depth into researching and developing these craft, there's a market for it. I mean, yes. you even look at the chairs. I mean, this guy was, this one I was looking at, the guy had a chair and the, you know, it was, it was like the vehicle, uh, the chair in your, your vehicle. <laughs> yeah. You know, it goes yeah. up and down and it goes back and forwards and. It was pretty fancy. It was wow. like one of those 24 hour office chairs that you can find for like 2,500 bucks. Yeah. I mean, it goes up for when you're pedaling and then it goes down for when you want to paddle. Yeah. You, right. And it, it's like, Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, you definitely, if you're paying three grand for one of these things, um, you're definitely getting your money's worth by the, from what I see. And it, it'd be cool to have one to go out fishing in different spots, but. I'm not sure like how. Say, it, it, would, it would. I'm not sure how popular they are currently in Canada. I'm going to look into this now, but the, uh, a lot of the reviews that I've seen online, it seems to be Florida intercoastal waterways and, uh, in areas like that. So it's, uh, these are big, big hit down in Florida and Louisiana, but I, I'm not sure how I, you can find them for sale here in Canada and mm-hmm. Swift and a few other locations. So I think they're just maybe starting to catch on here, but we don't have the same types of waters that they would have down in Florida. And these seem to be more popular with the uh, intercoastal waterways of Florida. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm seeing a lot of these, these guys pulling up these big ocean fish. <laughs> yes. It's like, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're going out there on the ocean and you're doing your fishing on that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're bringing in these big, big things and you're just like, wow, that's, uh, definitely something to be doing. That's for sure. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> no, I think I will stick to my canoe for now. Oh, me too. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, if I ever have an opportunity to try one out or maybe rent one, I'm going to, I'm going to give a go at it. Yeah. You know what? Cause I mean, just watching these things go, I, and, and that's the thing is, would you prefer to pe- pedal like a bicycle or pedal like back and forth? Mm-hmm. Right? I like bo- the attributes of both. I'm kind of leaning towards the Hobie Cat. I like the design. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm just, from everything I've been seeing, I like the Hobie Cat design better. And especially now that they got the 180. Mm-hmm. Once that comes out. The Hobie Cat does look more stable. It's got more of a flat, uh, it's, it's got a tunnel bottom. Yeah. So, and the, uh, the, uh, native, uh, watercraft, it's more designed like a, a canoe mm-hmm. and it, uh, looks a little bit less stable, but if they compensate for that, the, the seat is much lower in the craft Yeah. to compensate for the instability, but they still are both relatively stable. The Hobie cap is especially stable. It's got that large flat tunnel bottom. Yeah. And, and I actually, just to go on top of that. There's some of these that you can get that have, uh, almost like a catamaran. It's got the two outriggers on the sides and you can get a sail for them. Yes. And that's and the, like, oh, uh, wow. In my experience, the Hobie cat has, the Hobie cat has had a uh, catamaran and, and other sailing craft for a long time. It's just like typically you find a lot of laser sailboats. Well, Hobie cat is very popular for, uh, sailing craft. Mm-hmm. And that was their bread and butter from the seventies and on. So it looks like they're expanding into new areas with this, uh, with these kayaks. Yeah. It's, it's something I've never really looked at. Right. I mean, to me, when I think of kayaks, I think of like the, the sit in kayak, you know, 
and and paddle. Yes. You know, like the sea, sea kayak sort of look thing. Um, over the last few years, you start seeing more and more of these sit on. Yeah, there's a lot of sit on kayaks. And, and like I said earlier, when we were, it was, it surprises me that they're, uh, People go out and fish with these things, but they mm-hmm. look so unstable. I, you, I see videos all the time on YouTube and it's like, whoa, I can't believe they're staying upright on this thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, definitely something. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, if, if they have, um, is it faux or fog, fog marine in Toronto? Yeah. I think you can go test them out there. Oh yeah? Yeah. I'll have to look into that and maybe go give one a whirl. I'm very interested in seeing Road that. trip. Road trip, yeah, road trip, <laughs> a half hour road trip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll give one of these, but um, yeah, I think I'll just keep my my canoe and go do some fishing from there for now. And uh, I think that that's yeah. So I think what got me into this was talking to my brother about uh, heading into Bice Lake for some uh, for some nice lake trout, and um, I can I only need my one fishing rod. I don't need to take. <laughs> four or five rods like some of these guys got and you I'd, know i'd love to hear from somebody who has experience with these craft so if anybody out there listening to the show if you you've tried these if you own one of these uh contact us on uh facebook or and and drop us a line let us know what you think of it and uh, maybe we can uh, learn a little bit more yeah we have a contact number as well or an email on uh, our webpage um, paddlingadventuresradio.com I'd be very interested to see what uh, people are saying about the the fishing and how easy it is. Um, Like I say, if you're just sitting there and you're doing this and you just got to use your feet and a a rudder. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, it's no different than having a little trolling motor, right? Or like a little Minn Kota. Yeah, a little Minn Kota trolling motor. You kind of whip around with your foot as you're casting and, you know, keeping the boat into the current and whatever. It's, uh, so this is... uh, a low tech way to go at that. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what uh, people have to say. But when you go, uh, have you ever been to Bice Lake? Ralph Bice? Ralph Bice Lake, yes. In Algonquin. Do some fishing there? Yeah, I have. I tend not to catch anything. Really? Yeah. You sound like Marcus. Well, Marcus (laughs) has gotten good over the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. I taught him the lazy man way of fishing. You sit in your canoe and the wind's blowing, which they often do up that way. You paddle to where the wind's coming from. And just let the wind push you. And you turn your canoe sideways, (laughs) you cast, and you just let the canoe push you all the way back to the other side of the lake. When we were up in Woodland Caribou, I taught them that. And I don't know how many fish we caught doing Hmm. that because I'm just lazy that way. I tend not to have very good luck fishing in Algonquin. Uh, When I go up in the Sturgeon River, I catch bass left and right. It's Mm -hmm. amazing how many bass you catch. I release most and keep one or two for dinner and... But uh, in Algonquin, I've learned I do not rely on fishing for any meals. Yeah. Um, I'm good. If I, I'll do a nice slow troll in the canoe with a like little Clio spoon or something behind. Um, especially if I'm crossing a big lake or something like that. If I'm not staying on that lake, you can catch something. But uh, my brother is actually the one that got me into the little Clios. And he was doing this thing. We weren't catching anything. He says, you got to change it up um with you know you can't just be going one constant speed all the time and he did this thing called he called it a crazy ivan now <laughs> whether that's the real name I'm for it October. i don't know yeah <laughs> so but yeah what he's doing is all of a sudden he just turns the the canoe sharp one way yeah so if you're if you got a a, a rod out both sides if you're trolling a rod yeah right one of them's going to speed right up Oh, yeah. And the other's going to slow right down and start wobbling down yeah. towards the bottom. Exactly. And then you do, you know, pad a little ways that way till everything starts straightening out. And then you do it the other way. Huh. So it was vice versa. And you know what? It worked. Oh, yeah? It did. We we ate some mighty fine lake trout that night, <laughs> you know? And, uh, but yeah, I, th- I think um, I'm not going to get one of these new fangled kayaks to go up there, but I think it's worth a trip back to... Ralph Bice Lake, and uh, if you're interested in coming when we go, I'll let you know. Absolutely. Might be next June. Yeah. Um, and see, with, me, with my fishing, I tend to go late in the year to avoid bugs. So the, the trout often go deep into the colder water. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why I'm not catching any. Well, we usually go deep. We've, yeah. caught, we've caught enough real estate 
<laughs> you know, that's one of our favorite terms. Hey, you got one? No, I just got real estate. <laughs> then you got to turn around and hopefully you can unsnag. Uh, but yeah, I'll keep you in mind and uh, hopefully you can get up there and do some fishing and catch some nice lake trout. And Sounds like a plan. All righty. Well, let's uh, take a quick break here and I want to come back and while we're talking about the off season and paddling season, well, let's talk about what we're doing to, to stay fit for our paddling. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. Welcome back, and uh, let's talk about fitness. Um, when we're when you're out there and everything is based on how well you can paddle, be it whether you're going out for a day, whether you're going on a long trip, whether you're canoe paddling or kayak paddling or stand-up uh, paddle boards or in a in a big river raft, you got to be some sort of fitness level to, to keep the exercise going or to keep you going, well, right? To enjoy it to a certain level. Yeah. You need to be fit. You need to be strong. You need to be toned. You, like with anything, if you go in and you're not prepared for it, you're going to hurt yourself and then you're going to take yourself out of commission and, and you won't be able to enjoy the sport, whatever that sport is. Yeah. And I mean, I know with the, with the longer canoe trips, um, the back and the arms yes. are huge. You know, uh, I've been on trips where, you know, my back's been bothering me and the longer you go, I mean, as I say, you don't know how many muscles you use to do something till it hurts. <laughs> Precisely. It's like, oh, I didn't know I had muscles there. <laughs> yeah. And so I've been looking through some stuff here and, and they're talking about um, cross training uh, activities for paddlers and whatnot to stay in shape. And what you should be doing in the off season versus what you should be doing during the season, during the mid season. Well, I mean, to me, during the season, paddle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there but, <you> go. <laughs> but just to make sure that you're, you're equally toned because, you know, if with paddling and it, it uses all your different core muscle groups, your lower back, your uh, abdominals, your shoulders, your chest muscles. And like these all work in unison as you paddle along. And if you want to continue to enjoy your sport at whatever high level you do enjoy it at, you need to, even during the season, it's a good idea to, to keep that up, whether it's cardio or whether it's uh, working out and stretching. Yeah, the big thing, and funny you should mention stretching. One of the things I came across was, you know, they're always saying, before you get on the water, it's a great idea to stretch. I don't think it is. And I never have. Yeah. And they also say, when you're done. That's when you should stretch. stretch. That's the good time. And it's just like, well, I've never done that either. <laughs> I've always been led to believe, and it's always been my opinion, and, and this is from experience, and... This was my thought in the previously, but then when I did the white water course, it was reinforced by, uh, by our instructor, Ken. And it's like, when you start an exercise, it has to be very low level stretches. Don't mm -hmm. stretch, stretch because your muscles are cold. They're not ready to be stretched with the time to stretch to the time to get some flexibility back in your muscles is after you've warmed up and after you've done whatever. So ideally when, before you paddle, before you do any whitewater or canoeing or paddling, kayaking, whatever, you need to warm up first. And, uh, and then after you're warm, then you stretch. Stretching cold is dangerous. Yeah. The, now I will, shouldn't say I never stretch before. I don't. Like, I will sit there, if I know it's going to be a long day paddling, 
I'll do a couple of toe touches and stuff just to, you know, get a little bit of mobility more than, than anything. You know, if you touch your toes and get a twinge in your back, you know, ooh, it's going to be a long day. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> but no, I don't go full, full-fledged into stretching this, that, and the other thing and, you know, hang on, let me do 15 of these and 24 <laughs> of those and... <laughs> You know, put my leg up around my head and hop four times. Yeah. You know, I, I don't get any, any of that. Yeah. But that's not the fun part. That's not what you're doing it for, right? No, no. But in the off season, do you do anything to keep yourself going? Myself? Yeah. Uh, well. Or, or others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yourself. Like I'm just thinking of what other people do, but for myself, it's, uh, I walk a lot. I uh, I ski and I snowboard. I uh, I can't think off the top of my head any actual exercises. Like I've got a treadmill that I that I walk or run on. Yeah, see, I've been going to the gym for this. I mean, this past year there, the, over the winter, we got uh, memberships to the gym up the road there. So we've been going there, and they got the they have the the treadmill, which is what I started on, but they've got the rowing machines as well. Mm-hmm. So I, if you want to kill yourself, hit the stairmaster. <laughs> oh yes. my God, your legs just die. <laughs> um, but no, I'll do, I'll do treadmill, you know, do start out slow in that and, uh, then get into a nice run and, you know, get the cardio going and that sort of stuff. And then I'll take a break from that and I'll go over and I'll hit the rowing machine, you know, to get the lower back and stuff like that going and the arms. And I mean, they got a lot of other machines I use as well, but the two that, that I seem to use and gravitate towards just when I'm thinking of paddling are the treadmill for the cardio and the, uh, the rowing machine. For me, my, uh, my exercise regime is, uh, is not very good in the off season. When winter comes, winter is my fat time. Yeah. And uh, I always gain some weight over winter. And then when summer comes, I, it, it just kind of melts away. Right. I, I do a lot of camping and, and biking and, and just, I'm always going in the summer. So the, uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's a bad habit of mine and I really should, and as I'm getting older, <laughs> I should work on staying toned and fit year round because the muscle, the, the weight loss doesn't uh, work as easily as quick now that I'm older as, as, as it used to. I used to easily go out and run around and do stuff in the summer and just lose the weight, just disappears, but it doesn't work as much. Well, anymore. they say you got to stay in shape and my friend pear is a shape. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, they're talking about, you know, like I say, we've done some research on a few uh, websites and, and, and different things and swimming. Swimming is a, is a good one uh, off season. Well, swimming gets all your core muscles. It's mm-hmm. like a whole body workout plus yeah. cardio. It's, it's everything. Yep. And uh, I, I see how much, how, what a great exercise it is. And sometimes I wish, wow, I really wish I knew how to swim. <laughs> <laughs> swimming is also a good thing to do because that teaches you to swim when case you need it when you're out on the lake. That's why I have a life jacket. I don't need to swim. I float. Good answer. <laughs> um, Cross country skiing. I do that. Right. That's fine. You get the legs and the arms going. Yeah. You get some good uh, cardio going, some stamina. And that's what, another thing that a lot of them talk about is the, um, the core strength, the endurance and the stamina. Those are, those are the words that get thrown out. I mean, there's lots of them get thrown out, but the core strength, the endurance, the stamina, yes. the cardio, those are the things that they're always talking about. Another thing they're talking about, and this is like all season, even regular season is, um, other paddle sports. Don't just stick with one. And they give an example. This one does is, uh, try dragon boating, which we've talked about before. Yes. A couple and episodes ago. canoes. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're more of a demanding workout for strengthening your core, your upper body, your stamina, and new techniques. And uh, yeah, uh, don't just, if you're a canoe tripper, try out a kayak or a stand-up paddleboard. Mm-hmm. Get, you know, because it's different, different muscle groups and different techniques exactly. and stuff like that. More well-rounded workout. Yeah. Um, paddleboarding for, for balance. Yeah. Right. Martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> so you can beat somebody up and steal their paddleboard. <laughs> uh, cardio the, with the high intensity um, sparring and whatnot that they do. Yeah. 
You get your cardio going. Punching bag for your arms and shoulders. I've never done this. I, I work with a couple guys who do martial arts and they get quite a bit out of it. They do competitions and mm -hmm. competitions is what they are telling me that keeps them going. It, it gives them a purpose and a reason. And, and often I think for myself, that's, that's really what it comes down to. If you have a purpose and a reason, you will continue to do something. Yeah. And, and that's why I don't do so well in the winter with treadmill and stuff like I should is there's no purpose or reason. It's like it sits there and you hang stuff off it, unfortunately. <laughs> well, we had the treadmill here at our place and uh, yeah, it, it sort of became that. But when it was, because we had it in front of the TV thinking, okay, you know what? We'll watch TV and, and, use the and do the treadmill. No, you know, you know who did that? My son. Yeah. He would get on the treadmill and play Guitar Hero because he was training for hockey. Huh. So he'd be playing Guitar Hero while on the treadmill. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Show off. <laughs> um, the other thing they're talking, walking, hiking, running. Yes. Getting, gets the cardio going, gets the legs going, gets the arms going. You know, um, that's great for, for all season. One of the things they do talk about though, which, and I, from personal experience, Lower back pain. Uh, you've really got to watch that. And don't wait till it's so bad that you've got to go get treatment for it. Because that will, that at that point is too late. Yes. You've really got to, you know, weak glutes, overcompensating um, movement for other muscles. Like you got a sore on one side, you start overcompensating the other side sort of thing. Injuries, imbalances, decreased flexibility, inactivity, and sitting. Now, I know that's that right there is one of my big things because I'm sitting in front of a computer at work. I come home, I'm sitting in front of a computer doing doing the show or, or researching or, or whatever. That is a big thing for me. Or, you know, sitting at a computer and, and at a table with maps, checking out the next canoe trip. Those are big things. You really got to do preventative exercises, especially on the lower back. Um, I never had back problems till I went down the stairs over one of our cats, but ever since then, you, you really gotta, gotta watch out for it. And again, there's, you know, they talk about the stretching the back and whatnot, so that it hopefully doesn't, uh, seize up on you and whatnot. Um, one thing, well, not one thing, there's lots. When they're talking different exercises and stuff, uh, you know, like you say, you do the, the, um, I do the rowing machine and the treadmill and the stair climber. And you, like I say, you go to the gym and they've got everything there, all these machines to use, but they're also talking about things like kettlebells, um, you know, swinging, they, they're the, I guess the ball that has the, it's a big handle, handle on, on, on it, a right? heavy ball, swinging those up and down, uh, pushups, pull-ups, sit-ups, uh, that sort of stuff. Um, Oblique twists with a medicine ball, leg extensions, uh, back extensions. One thing they're talking about in, on a, a few different sites is the resistance bands because they're portable. You could yeah. take those to work. You could take them to the basement. Yeah, hook them up in your shower and yeah. while you're sitting on the toilet. <laughs> work, work them arms. <laughs> you know, this is a public show, right? <laughs> well, I didn't say they could come and watch me do it. <laughs> And don't send pictures. <laughs> no, please um, not. One of the things I found interesting, though, was torso rotation. Testing how, how good you are. Because when you're paddling, especially for kayakers. I don't have, I found that out on the whitewater course. I don't have very good torso rotation. Sit cross-legged on the floor in a door frame with your, facing the frame, right? Okay. Put a broomstick over your shoulders with your arms draped over. Okay. So picture somebody carrying, well, I guess the old prisoners, uh, when they had the, the, the bar, like yeah. the bamboo stick or whatever. Or you're carrying water. Or you're carrying water. Yeah. You should be able to turn without moving your legs, rotate your shoulders as far as you can and try to make the broomstick hit the door frame. So you're leaning against the frame. No, no, you're, you're sitting, well, but you know what I mean? Like your it. back is, you're sideways in the door frame. No. Uh, yeah. Well, as if you were walking sideways through the door. Yes. So you're yeah. sideways in the door frame. So you're going to turn and whack the broomstick off the wall behind you, the door yeah. frame behind you. Yeah. 
Huh. You should be able to do that if you've got good torso rotation. Yeah. I wonder, I, I imagine you can improve that. I'm not very flexible, I, uh, but uh, that sounds like something I should try. Well, then you're not getting in the circus. <laughs> <laughs> you're stuck here buddy i make a great bear on a bicycle <laughs> well i think um like i say i mean during the summer we do a lot of stuff yeah. out and about and i think our biggest downfall is the winter and i think this Absolutely. yeah with with age creeping up there and whatnot uh i think this winter definitely got to follow some of these things and and look into making more of a winter regimen and well, it's getting to the gym, getting out, doing some snowshoeing and skiing absolutely. and skating and, and whatnot. It's definitely food food for thought. It's got me thinking about what I should be doing year round, let alone yeah. in the wintertime. Just to increase and improve my the enjoyment of whatever whatever I do, like when I go paddling or whitewater river running and stuff like that. I just I know just from past experience that I don't have the proper flexibility and uh, my cardio can always use an improvement. Yeah. And mine as well. But like I say, it's, you know, you're getting older and you don't want to be. Well, you got to work harder at it as you get older. You do. And you know what? You, I think you got to keep it up because you, you don't want to be sitting there one day going, yeah, I can't go canoeing this year. I just I'm don't just... have the flexibility. I don't have the strength anymore. And yeah. you know, when, once you're in that position, you know, you're, you're just not in a happy place. Exactly. So get those uh, fitness regimens going and uh, work on it all year round and keep getting out there on the water. That's Enjoy all I got to say. Enjoy your sport. Yeah. So let's take a quick break here and we come back. You want to talk French River. French River. Absolutely. All right. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit wrvoradio.com online. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. Welcome back. Uh, we're going to finish off today's show with another Derek's Destinations uh, segments. And where are we going today, Derek? Uh, the area I was going to cover is the French River. It, the uh, the French River, uh, you're familiar with it. Neither of us has sure been am. to the French River, but the more we research some of these destinations, the more we realize that we want to go to some of these places. And it's one of those destinations. I don't know why we've never been there. I know. It surprises me myself. Uh, it, there's so much in and around. Like this is within, uh, at the at the French River Provincial Park, that's only about two and a half, three hours away. I used to live in North Bay. Oh, yeah? <laughs> it's right there. North Bay. That's the, that's the top <laughs> end of the French River itself. Yeah. But the French River Provincial Park is uh, just in western Georgian Bay. It's a great location for kayaking and people canoe there as well. Uh, there's a, the, uh, the location of the park itself, like I said, is on Western Georgian Bay. The top end of the French river starts at, uh, Lake Nipissing, which like you said, is North Bay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the French river, it's a 105 kilometer river starting from Lake Nipissing down to Western Georgian Bay, down to the French river provincial park. It was, uh. It's the first designated Canadian Heritage River. I'm not sure how many heritage rivers we have now, but this is the first one that they've uh, they've determined. It was 1989, I believe. Now it, uh, it it's designated a Canadian Canadian Heritage River. It's like the history there is it's like deep in history. We starting with the First Nations peoples, uh, French explorers, fur traders, voyageurs. The area is, uh, a lot of the original fur trading routes and stuff are in that area. And just, I would, I would love to walk some of these portages and just let it sink into your head. The, the age and the depth of the history of this location, these areas, it's, uh, the whole area is popular with, uh, uh, like this in the French River Perchure Park itself is uh, paddling, motorboating, fishing. There's a lot of private and rental lodges that you can, uh, you can use, um, the, the river itself, the 105 kilometer river, there's a varying amounts of, uh, 
of little bits of white water. There's a few portages. The, the campsites themselves, they're all designated campsites on this river. Not all of them have privies or thunderboxes. So uh, that's one thing that I intend to look in a little bit more. I was surprised when I saw that statement on the uh, Ontario Provincial Parks website that they they don't have, all of them don't have the uh, the privies or thunderboxes. But it's, uh, the the park itself and the, and the river itself is, it's fairly heavily used, but not so heavily that you'd actually have to make a reservation. You're expect there's about 13 locations along the river, so depending on how long you want to make your trip. So, like we were talking earlier, we're gonna try and plan some of this trip. Like I've seen some of the trip logs that uh, you know, 12 to 15 days, and there's a few trip logs that I've seen online that are like three or four days from the lower end. So a lot of the uh, a lot of the outfitters or put-ins along the river are like private uh, companies that uh, work that section of the river and they they help out uh, the interior parks by selling uh, access and, and permits for interior camping. But like I said, it's not so heavily used that you actually require reservations. And as well, I don't think they're designated so much along the route that you are, you're not booking a specific campsite or anything like that, not like uh, drive-in campsites and, and whatnot. Uh, the, the whole area is, you know, it's very popular amongst, like we were, I was saying earlier, like paddlers and, and photographers and, and whatnot. So the, the, uh, the river itself is, it sounds like it's a fantastic river. And, and unfortunately at this point, when I do my Derek's destinations, it's uh, I really wish I could talk from experience on these locations instead, because I haven't been to this specific location. It's based on passion. I really want to get out and see the French river. So I'm going to be talking more and more of destinations that I find very intriguing. I find that I really want to go to. And if I really don't want to go to it, I'm not going to review it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's simple, right? Yeah. Well, I know I know a few people that have been to the French River, and I've not heard a bad thing about it. Well, the pictures the, I've seen are just breathtaking. A lot of a uh, lot of Canadian Shield, a lot of uh, like islands and stuff to go bopping around through. Yes, yes, down in the yep. uh, peninsulas or down in the lower end. Yep. Yep. Um, now I do believe David Lee took a group of people up there to give them a little whitewater experience blue shoots and they were playing in the uh the whitewater there that sounds familiar yeah yeah it's on it's on the french river yeah but yeah yeah it's it's got something for everybody and i think ah, yes. that's why people like to go to the french river mm-hmm. it's i mean there's the historical aspect yes. i mean you talked about the uh provincial park there the um visitor center yes so the visitor center it's uh it's just so highway 69 uh, goes from uh, Perry Sound up to Sudbury. So you're just about more than halfway up that length of Highway 69. You're going to cross the French River. And at that crossing by the French River and Highway 69 is where the visitor center is located. Uh, I, I was, I, when I was looking at the uh, pictures online and uh, Terrier Provincial Parks uh, website, it's a breathtaking visitor center. It's, it's actually... It won the Governor General's Award for Architecture in 2010. Wow. And this thing is, it's an amazing looking visitor center. Like you look at the pictures on the inside and outside, the visitor center alone is, I think, is worth a trip. And I'm going to be up in that area within an hour and a half drive. So I think I'm going to take the family and uh, we're going to go check out the uh, that area. I would. Mm-hmm, that's good. I mean, if you're on holidays or whatever. Absolutely. Get head on, head yeah. on up that way and check it out. And Yeah, it'd be a good day know. trip because I'll be closer. Yeah, but uh, like I say, I've I've known a few people that have gone up that way. Um, and even people that aren't experienced trippers. Yes. You know, they said, oh yeah, I got asked to go. You know, they're going to this place called the French River and we're going to do a canoe trip and we're going to camp outside and oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> and then when they come back, they're like, wow. And they're, yes. they're, you're, you're looking at their pictures and they're just floored by what was up there. I mean, it's just breathtaking, the scenery. And, and- what's surprising is that it's, uh, so it's south of North Bay, east of Sudbury, uh, north of Perry Sound. It's in an area that's, it's surrounded by populated areas, but itself is so remote. 
So it's 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 so close to the GTA, so close to Toronto. It's it's amazing that I hadn't really thought or considered it more often. Well, and if memory serves, just to touch on something we were talking earlier in the show, I do believe it is a really popular place for fishing. I hadn't heard that. Yeah. But I think I, it would I, be. I remember my uncle and my grandfather going up that yeah. way fishing. And I'm sure that they were going to the French River once in a while. Yeah. I'm was, still building my passion for fishing. And I uh, I don't, like they say, it's called fishing, not catching. And, <laughs> and that's true for me, that analogy. I don't catch many fish. Well, you know what? Then I think maybe we uh, start looking at booking a trip to the French River. We should do that. We should get a group together and, and do uh, maybe a lower section, a long weekend type thing. Do some trolling for fish, teach you yes. how to catch some. <laughs> Somebody's got to teach how me. How to catch them, clean them. i it on my own. <laughs> and then I'll show you how to eat them. <laughs> oh, I know how to eat them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know what? I think that's that'll that'll do pretty good, and uh, we'll we'll check that out. Um, but talking about checking things out, uh, that's it for this week's show. You can check us out on the web at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can check us out on Facebook and you can check us out on Instagram and you can check us out next week when we're back here again. So until then, I'm Sean Rowley and I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.